part four of this series that we've been going through. And the series has been called Keeping Up with the Benjamins. And as we see, we've got this funky little display right here. And uh, when we started, they kind of just had like a plain old house. Um, but as we've gone on, they've uh, kind of added a garage and uh, they've got some grass now. And these people are starting to do pretty well for themselves. And because they've been following the principles that we've been laying out today. Um, uh, and, and we've been laying out over the last three weeks. But in week one, we discussed that who is our God? When it comes to our wealth and our finances, who is our God? And then in week two, we discovered who is the actual owner of all the things that we possess? Is it us or is it God? And then last week, we discovered and we we dealt with, with what can sometimes be the awkward question is, what should you give to the church? I mean, you go to a lot of churches and a lot of churches ask for money and they pass offering plates and things. But really, what should you give to the church? So we address that situation. Well, today, I want to deal with a different issue. And it's all about giving to others. For the last three weeks, we've been dealing with our relationship with God. And where God is in uh, in accordance with our finances. Well, today, we're going to be talking about how we should relate to others. You know, back in 1991, the uh, Soviet Union collapsed. And when the Soviet Union collapsed, there was all these missionaries that suddenly, for years and years, they'd not been able to go into the nation of Russia. And as they went in, as the, the Soviet Union collapsed, and they called what the Iron Curtain opened, all these missionaries started going in to Russia. And what they found, they found that the church in Russia was actually stronger than it had ever been in the history of Russia. Even though there was no church that was supposed to allow really to meet in Russia, they discovered through their persecution that God had blessed the church and the church had increased. Well, my dad, who was a pastor, uh, still is a pastor, he went with, uh, with, one of his, uh, uh, with uh, one of his pastor buddies. And they went on a mission trip to Russia. And they drove all through Eastern Europe. And they, and they went into to, to Russia. And as they got into Russia, they stayed at this home. Um, of somebody who was, was in one of the churches in Russia. And as they stayed in this home, they pulled up, and the home was like a shack, almost. These people were like dirt poor. And when I mean dirt poor, it's like the outhouse, like where you went to the bathroom, was right at the bottom of the garden, and it was the same place where they kept the pigs. I mean, it was like, I mean, they were dirt poor. And the pigs were for eating as well. So sorry if you guys like bathe and like the moving stuff, but they ate the pigs. And so it was kind of nasty. And my dad said the food was terrible and horrible. But they stayed with his family for about five days as they went round and they were preaching and they, they were going to different churches. Well, at the end of five days, it was time for them to come home. And this family, they had two children. And through uh, an interpreter, my dad had told them all about his family and uh, how he had a wife and he had uh, uh, three children. And he told them the ages. And at the time, my sister was 13. Um, I was 10 years. um, uh, No, my sister was 15. I was 12. And my brother was uh, six years old. So he had shared with with this family. Well, as they're leaving, suddenly the kids come down, and the kids were very similar age. They were like 12 or 13. And they came down, and they gift-wrapped a present, and they gave it to my dad, and they said, please give this to your children. And my dad said, no, we can't accept anything from you. He said, you know, you guys don't have anything. And they said, no, please accept this gift, but please open it so you know what you're giving it to them. So my dad opened the, opened the present, and inside the, inside the gift wrap, there was a box of chocolates that they'd given. 
And my dad found out that this box of chocolates, it was like just end of January time, similar to this time of year, this box of chocolates was their only Christmas present that they had received that year. They hadn't opened it, but they wanted to bless the preacher's children with what was given. I mean, my dad was kind of like choked back. and He was like, no, I can't accept this. They said, no, if you don't accept it, it will be offensive to us. Please accept this gift. There was something within those children that they wanted to give out of what they had been given. And so my dad brings this box of chocolates home, and we open it, and we probably consume it in like a day, and, you know, it's really bad. And little did they know they were feeding my chocolate addiction um, and, and things. But, I mean, when I heard this story, I just couldn't believe that these kids with nothing and us with everything, I mean, we had had like more Christmas presents than you can imagine and that they wanted to give. And it was the reason they wanted to give is because they had a belief is that when you give to others first, God will give back unto you. When you give to others first, God will give back unto you. In fact, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24 to 25 says this. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And this was the motto for their kids. They realized if they gave to others, that then God would give back unto them. These kids, as poor as they were, they believed the principle that I believe is a biblical principle. And I'm going to paraphrase it a little for you this morning, but the principle is this. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. In more biblical terms, it would sound like this. Give unto others what God has given unto you. Give unto others what God has given unto you. And, and as a church, throughout each quarter of this year, we have different themes uh, in regards to our outreaches and what we want to do. And this quarter is pay it forward. So as we're giving to these homeless people next week, we're giving out of what God has blessed us with. Most of us this morning, I hope that we've got a roof over our heads. We have uh, blankets that we can put over ourselves when we go to bed at night. We have toothpaste to clean our teeth. We have food on our table. And next week, what we're going to be doing, we're going to be paying forward to these homeless people exactly what God has given to us. You know, this world, especially at the moment, you know, when we're still in this world recession, they will tell us that you must keep everything for yourself. Hold on for yourself. Hold on in case you lose it. Because you never know if if you're going to have money today or or not tomorrow. If you have a house today and you may lose it tomorrow, hold on in case you lose it. But the kingdom of God is very different. The kingdom of God says this. If you are struggling to keep up with the Benjamins, then the answer isn't to store away. But the answer is to give away. It's totally upside down. This world will teach you that you must store away. But the Bible teaches to give away. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Proverbs 22 uh, and verse 9 says, Blessed are the generous because they feed the poor. And then Proverbs 28, 27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. And throughout the pages of Scripture, we see this principle again and again. If you are generous, God will bless you. If you are stingy, God will withhold from you. If you sow freely into others, God will sow back into you. 
If you hold on to what you have, eventually you will lose everything. You know, there's been a a lot of, uh, over the last, say, 20 years, a lot of the billionaires in this world who have discovered kind of this principle. They discovered that the more that they get, if they give away to charities and they give away to people who are, who are hurting and they, they make these foundations to help kids who are underprivileged, they've discovered that the more they give away, it's almost like the more that they get themselves. And Jesus, even himself, said that if you hold on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give your life away, you will gain new life. You know, when we think of the poorest people in the Bible, uh, or the poorest people in society, these are the people I normally think of. I think obviously of the homeless, but I think of the sick, I think of the orphans, I think of the single parents, and I think of the widow. And if you did a word search in the Bible of the word widow, you'd be amazed at how many times the word widow appears in the Bible. And it's funny because in nearly all the occasions where you see a widow in the Bible, the widow is dirt poor. I mean, like, she has nothing. She is destitute, has absolutely nothing. But yet, in almost every occasion, this widow is poor. But yet God asks the widow to give something. Now, the reason the widow was poor was because back in those days, it was the guy who went out to work. He was like the breadwinner. And then the woman would stay in the house. She would look after the home. And she would look after the kids. And some of you guys are like, yeah, that's the way it should be. But no, it's like 21st century people. And women have equal rights. And so, uh, yeah. But back in those days, it was totally different. And when a man would die, then suddenly the income that they brought in had ceased. And unlike today where we have the government to help us out, we have friends to help us out, families and churches to help us out. Back in those days, there was nobody to help you out. There was no support at all. And very quickly, a lot of these widows went from being average people to being very, very poor. But yet we see that God throughout scriptures, uh, the scriptures ask the poorest in society to give away what they have. Now, to you and me, that may seem fair. Why would God ask the poor to give away? But yet, I want to show you a story in the Bible that shows exactly how the kingdom of God works in regards to giving away to others. So if you have your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn to the second book of Kings, chapter 4. The second book of Kings, chapter 4. And it says there, it says, One day, the widow of a member... Of the, uh, uh, sorry, a widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elijah. Or Elisha, I should say. Now what we see here, we see that this, this widow, her husband was basically like a pastor or a preacher or a prophet. And so he had been someone who loved God. He had been someone who had heard from God. So she was, she was a good Christian lady, if, you know, if we were put in today's terms. And she came and she cried out to another prophet called Elisha. And this is what she said. She said, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me what you have in your house. Then she said, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. But Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house, 
with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask in the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her. She filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Then she said, bring me another jar to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on what is left over. So we see here, we see that we have a widow and she has nothing. She has lost everything. To the point where her house isn't being foreclosed on, like somebody would be today, or her car isn't being repossessed, but something much worse. The bank is coming to take her sons. Now, just imagine that this morning, for those of you who are parents. Imagine if you didn't keep up with your bills and the bank said, well, hey, keep your house, keep your car, but I'm coming for your sons or your kids. This is the situation that this woman was in. I mean, could you imagine? And then the bank, what were they going to do? They were going to take the sons and then they were going to sell the sons into slavery to make up for this woman's debt. And Elisha the prophet comes along and this is what he does. If, you, if it would be me and you, or you and me, this is what we would have said. We would have said, okay, how much do you owe? We would have wanted to know how much she owed. Then we would have said, okay, let's take a look at your budget. Let's try to balance your budget, making sure that what you're bringing in, you're not spending. And while I believe that every one of us must have a budget, this isn't what Elisha did. Elisha did something very different. He asked the woman one question, and the question was this. What do you have? What do you have? You notice, Elijah didn't say, what don't you have? He said, what do you have? And I believe that God is asking us the same question. And this morning, I believe this question is this. In your house, what do you have? In your life, what do you have? And this is what the widow said. She said, I am nothing. The only thing I have is a flask of olive oil. Now, for those of you who are, are cooks this morning, you know that if you don't have any food, what good is olive oil? I mean, unless you can think of another reason why we use olive oil, then I don't know. This woman had no food. All she had was something that was useless. It was just a jar of olive oil. She thought it was worthless, but yet what she thought was worthless, Elijah knew that God would use. This widow didn't think that she had anything of worth, yet I've discovered that when you put God first, then God can and will use anything that you are willing to give. Anything that you are willing to give. Some of you this morning, you may even have creditors of your own knocking on your doors. You may be really struggling to keep up with the Benjamins. You may have a whole lot more month left than money. And I believe God is asking you this. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? See, what happened is this woman had this olive oil and she gave it freely. 
And as she gave it freely, God multiplied this olive oil. As small as it was, as useless as it was, God used it and it became useful. And God gave so much that she was able to pay off all her debts. And then she even had a little bit left over. There's another story in the Bible where Jesus was walking one day and all these crowds started following them. And the Bible says that there was 5,000 men who followed them. That didn't include the women and children. So there's probably about 15,000 people who were following Jesus that day. And they'd be following him and he'd been teaching them. And it was at the end of the day and they all got really hungry. And I don't know what day it was, but the stores weren't open. You know, for some reason McDonald's was closed and there was no subway. And, uh, um, and even there was like no Wegmans. I mean, could you imagine no Wegmans? That would be awful. Um, but there was no food. And so Jesus said to his disciples, he said, he said, okay, so these people are hungry. They've been following us all day. It's only right that we should feed them. And the disciples said, Jesus, what, what are you talking about? There's no, there's no way that we could feed these people. The stores are closed. We don't have enough money. They said, it would take over seven months of a man's wages to pay to feed all these people. And Jesus says, that doesn't matter. We're going to feed these people. I don't know if you've ever followed a leader who like, doesn't have all the plans, but they just have this big vision, and they say, just go do it. And you're thinking, yeah, right, let's go do it. But how are we going to do it? Well, this was kind of like Jesus. And so the disciples, so he says, okay, go around the crowd and see what you can gather. See what we have. And they come back and they say, Jesus, we can't find anything at all. And then one of the disciples comes up, and I really think it was like tongue-in-cheek. He says, well... There's this little boy here, he brought a packed lunch with him. He has two little fish, maybe like two little sardines, and five rolls of bread. And, and they came to him and said, we can't feed the people with this. And most of you this morning, you know the story that, yes, what happened is that Jesus started to multiply this. He started saying, okay, feed the people. Go hand round baskets. And the people started to go in, put their hands in the basket, and they pulled out more fish and more loaves. And what we see is that that day, over 15,000 people were fed only because a little boy was willing to give two fish and five rolls of bread. And this morning, you may think what you have is worthless. But what you think is worthless, God sees as a valuable treasure. And this morning, you may have a shortage. And what you see as a shortage, God sees as the potential for surplus. In each of these examples of this widow and this young boy, they gave what little they had before any miracle took place. But there was something that they had to do. They had to first give, and then they received. And the result in both occasions was just a supernatural multiplication The widow became debt-free and had a surplus. The boy witnessed one of the greatest miracles that had ever taken place. I want to show you another story. We're full of stories this morning. Got your Bibles? If you want to turn to Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this. It says, Peter and John, they were some of the disciples of Jesus, went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. I don't know about you, but 3 o'clock prayer service, boy. I'm like, I do not want to eat lunch before that because I may be falling asleep. 3 o'clock. Anyway, it says, As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day this man was put beside the temple gate, 
the, the gate called Beautiful. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. So this guy's just begging, and they come in, and they, you know, ask them, have you got any change? Now listen to this. If some of you are here this morning, you're like, I can give, but I have no money. It says, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. Look at us. The lame man looked up at them eagerly expecting some money. I mean, he's thinking, man, they're going to bring out the wallet and bring out the cash. But Peter says, I don't have any silver and gold for you. I don't know about you, but I've got past homeless people and they ask for money and I rarely carry any cash. And so I feel bad because I can never give them like any change or any cash or anything like that. And this is like Peter and John. They said, I don't have any silver and gold for you, but I will give you what I have. I will give you what I have. Then they said, in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up on his feet feet and he began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with him. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Notice here that Peter and John gave out of what they could, not what they couldn't. What they could, not what they couldn't. These guys didn't have any money on them. They didn't have anything. But they knew they had something to give to him. And even though they didn't give what this man was looking for, it didn't mean that they couldn't help this man out. And some of you, you know some people's needs. And you know that you can't help their needs. But it doesn't mean that you can't help them out in some way at all. A couple of uh, months ago, one of my friends was telling me a story of a pastor that she knew who had taken on a a little church in the eastern mountains of Kentucky. And he took on this church back in 2008 when the recession started to hit. And as he took on this, this, uh, this little church, he walked into this community and he soon found out that this community had an 80% unemployment rate. 80% unemployment rate. And he went in and he could see that people were hurting, they were broken. And so he started praying for the people. There were so many needs. People were coming to the church and they would try to meet all the needs, but the church was just going through such a hard time. And after a couple of weeks of being there, the pastor felt God speak to him. And he said, and he felt God said, I want you to do a message series on giving. And you can imagine the pastor. And I don't know about you, but I kind of sometimes argue with God. And I'd be like, no way. Are you kidding me? These people, 80% unemployment. Why would you ask these people to give? Why don't God, why don't you give to them? I mean, come on, 80% unemployment. And this was the conversation he had with God. There is no way that I can do a message on giving. 
Well, he felt God tug at his heart for about three months. And he just rejected what God was saying for about three months. He was so fearful. He said, that is just so insincere. But after about three months of being there, he realized this is what God wanted him to do. So the first week he got up and he taught about the principle of what we call sacrificial, sacrificial giving. Giving out of what you have, not what out of you don't have. And he preached. And the people, you know, they listened and they went out the door and he prayed. He was like, God, please let people come back next week. And to his astonishment, everybody did turn up next week. And they actually even brought some friends with them. And it was time for them to take the offering. So he got up and he asked the ushers and uh, they played some sort of hymn and they gave out the, the offering plate. And as they started giving out the offering plate, the pastor from his seat on the platform, he watched. And he was just amazed. Everybody started going into their pockets and putting it in, in, into the offering plate. And he was just astonished. And so he prayed, like with, uh, he preached with even more like uh, uh, um, encouragement that week. And after the service, he spoke with the guys who counted the money, and he was really eager. He was like, okay, what was the offering this week? And they said, ah, it's about the same as last week. He said, what? He said, I saw like, everybody they were giving, they were putting stuff in the offering plate. How can they be the same? And they said, Pastor, come look. And they took him into a little room, into the back, and there was a table. And on that table was something that astonished the pastor. He looked on the table, and he saw some collector's coins. He saw some buttons. He saw someone who had knitted a sweater. And he saw all these things that people had in their house that they started giving unto God. And the pastor had no idea what to do with it. I mean, what do you do with collector's coins? Sweaters, wow. He said, my friend told me, he said, that, After four weeks, the stuff that they'd been given as a church was unbelievable. He said, even one week, someone came in with a live chicken. Some people came with fruits and vegetables. And they started to give out of what they had unto God. The story goes on that God started blessing the community. A business came in and employed a a large population of the community. The business started to prosper. And after six months of the, of the, of the uh, pastor arriving, the community had gone from 80% to 20% on, on employment. Within three months, 80 to 20. Why? Because the people decided to give out of what they had. They didn't have money to give. But they did have something in the house to give. Give to others and God will make sure that you get what you need. I've learned it so much in my life. Give unto others and God will make sure you get what you need. Give out of what you have and eventually, like the poor widow, you will have enough. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 17, it says, All must give as they are able to, according to the blessings given to them by the Lord your God. There is one catch, though. It's not like it's some secret formula. It's like, hey, I'm going to go home and get my old trophies out or my old Star Wars figures, and I'm going to come and give them, and God's going to bless me. No, there's a catch, and this is the catch. 
your thoughts can't be to get so that you will get back. Your motive has to be pure and your thoughts have to be others first. It's not about giving so you can get lots back. It's about giving to others because that's the heart of God. I think this is one of the main parts of the Bible. Putting others' needs before your own. It's totally upside down compared to this world. But if you're struggling to keep up with the Benjamins and what all the Benjamins means to you, then don't look inward, but look outward. See the needs of others and help be a solution to those needs. You know what I've discovered in this life? I've discovered that when your thoughts are others first, God's thoughts are you first. When your thoughts are others first, God's thoughts are you first. Pay forward the blessings that God has given you. What do you have to give? I want to finish with one one more story today. This is a story that I believe has a direct impact on my life. And I think it's a direct impact on your life. Back in the 1930s, depression hit the United States, the Great Depression. It didn't just hit the United States, but it hit the United Kingdom as well. And my grandfather, who was a young boy at the time, he was about 10 years old, and his father had been an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic and a gambler. He had spent all their money, wasted all their money on alcohol and gambling, and they had nothing left. And one day, he, he, uh, he, he, came, he went to church, just out of nowhere. I think he was actually even drunk when he went into church. He came out of that place sober. He'd given his life to God, and his life just got radically changed. I mean, radically changed. But like two years on, they were still struggling with money. And they lived in this little cottage, and they really struggled to make ends meet. It was like this end of this road. It was kind of out in the country-ish. And uh, it was in a place called Gloucester, England. And one day, they got up, and they were having breakfast, and my grandfather's father was about to go off to work. And as the custom was for them, they would all eat breakfast together. Well, my grandfather's mother had, uh, uh, had gone into the pantry to see if there was any food, what they could have for breakfast, and there was absolutely nothing in the pantry. All she found was two slices of bread that was kind of on the edge of going stale. She had a little bit of butter, so what she did, she was able to toast the bread, make some toast, and she would give it to the kids. They sat down uh, to eat, and as they sat down, my grandfather's father prayed, and he basically said, God, I know that you are a God that provides. And God, even in what little we have, we bless you and we thank you for it. But God, you know, we know that you need to provide. At that moment, as soon as he prayed that prayer, a knock came at the door. And my grandfather's mother went to the door, And she opened the door, and as she opened the door, there was this guy who you can only describe looking like a homeless guy. I mean, this guy just looked totally destitute. He was unshaven. He had, like, long hair. He kind of smelt a little, and his clothes were, like, just disheveled. And as she opened the door, he says, Ma'am, he said, I'm really hungry. Do you have anything to eat? And most of us would be like, Sorry, I have nothing to give you. But my grand father's mother said, you know, I have two pieces of toast 
that I've just made. She says, you're welcome to the toast. So she brought him in. They sat down at the dinner table. And she brought the toast out. And she gave the toast to the homeless man. Well, he took like half. And then he gave the rest of the kids. And he ate the toast. And he said, thank you. And he said, before I leave, I just want to pray a blessing over you and your family. You've been so kind to me. And he started to pray. And my grandfather said, and my grandfather, I mean, he, he can't even finish this story. He's like in tears all the time when he tells it. He said, the guy kind of lifted his hands as he started to pray. And he started praying over the family. And he started praying this prayer. He started saying, God, I pray that you will bless this family. That you will provide for this family according to all your riches and glory. Then he says, and I pray a special blessing over this family. I pray that this family, and this is what he prayed. He said, I pray that this family will be a family that will do great works for you. I pray that the children will do great works for you. And then he prayed, I pray that your children's children and your children's children's children will do great works for you. My grandfather said, he said, as he prayed, he said it was an incredible experience. It was like the presence of God had just come into that kitchen. He said he'd never felt anything like it before. The guy prayed, he got up, he thanked them, and he left. My grandfather's mother walked him out, and she shut the, uh, uh, she shut the door. As she came back into the kitchen, she noticed something on the chair. And she looked down, and there was an, uh, there was an envelope. And she looked in the envelope, and it was full of cash. And she like, was horrified, like, <gasps> you know. So she grabbed the cash. She gave it to my grandfather's father. He ran out of the house and yelled out to the guy. And like I said, they lived down this long country lane. And he looked out. He could not see him. He ran down this country lane. There was only one way in, one way out. And he ran and he could not find the guy anywhere. The guy had disappeared. And my grandfather's father walked back into the house with tears in his eyes. And he said this. He says, today I believe God has answered our prayer. I believe that God has sent an angel to this house to provide for this family. And I don't know if it was an angel or not. My grandfather swears by it. He said, it was an angel, I tell you. But the story goes on. My grandfather says, from that day on, we never, ever had a shortage of food. He said, there would be days where we didn't have anything and We'd look out, and there would be a basket of food at the doorstep. He said, I don't know where it came from. He said, it was amazing. He said, but another thing happened. He says, from that day on, he said, my father, he said, just started having this urgency for God. And he started studying the word of God, and eventually he became a pastor. And then my grandfather, he grew up, and as he grew up, he became a pastor as well. And my grandfather did great things for the Lord. But then my grandfather had three children. And each one of those children went into the ministry and became pastors. And then those children, those three children, eventually gave him eight grandchildren, which I am one of them. And each one of those grandchildren are serving the, God, serving the Lord in ministry and in pastoral positions. This guy prayed a prayer. Why? Because they offered two pieces of toast. You know, I honestly believe today that Generation Church is here today. Because there was a poor woman who gave two pieces of toast to a homeless man. I mean, I just, when I, when I was thinking about this this week, this story, and, and I was thinking, 
Just some of the lives that have been changed. People who just found God and met God. Why in this church? Because a poor woman gave two pieces of toast. Just amazes me. And I ask you today, what do you have in your house to give? Just like the poor kids in Russia. The widow who met the prophet Elisha. The boy who followed Jesus. The community in Kentucky. Or the poor family in Gloucester, England. They paid forward what God had given to them. For you this morning, it could be a box of chocolates. A good old Forrest Gump. It could be a flask of olive oil. It could be just a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. It could be some buttons, knitted sweaters, and I hope not a live chicken. Or it could be a couple of pieces of toast. But when you give unto others who are in need out of what you have, I honestly believe from the bottom of my heart that you will never have to struggle to keep up with the Benjamins. But instead, you'll find yourself always in front of the Benjamins.